Hello everybody and welcome to this new episode. My name is Sarah and this is Amsterdamus, the podcast that introduces you to amazing women from Amsterdam. Sex is everywhere in Amsterdam. At least, so it seems. In the red light district, with the windows, live sex shows, and souvenir shops with genital-shaped candy. Everything is legal, no big deal, and everyone is cool with it. At least, this is the image that the Netherlands wants the world to have. But I'm sure you already guessed it, it's not that easy. Because even though sex work is technically legal in the Netherlands, there are a lot of rules and restrictions, as well as issues such as exploitation and human trafficking. The entire system is complex, to say the least. My guest for today knows the system really well. Violet is a sex worker herself and a coordinator at the Prostitution Information Center in the Red Light District. Please note, Violet is not her real name. And today she is going to help us understand how sex work in the Netherlands works, if the society is really as accepting as it seems, and which changes she would like to see in the industry. Welcome, Violet. Thanks for being with me today. Thank you for having me here. Could you please explain what is the Prostitution Information Center and how did you get involved with them? So the Prostitution Information Center was started in 1993 by Mariska Major, who herself was a sex worker working in the windows who enjoyed her work but couldn't understand society's stigma against sex work and realized quite quickly that the issues that sex workers have have nothing to do with the work itself but society's perception of it. So she started this center as a way of allowing pu the public, sex workers, politicians, journalists, anyone who walks through the door to ask any question they want about sex work and really created a no shame environment in which to ask these questions. And her logic was, is that if you address the, you know, the unknown and the demystify sex work, people will have a much better opinion of it. We have also continued in that frame and want anyone to come into our organization to ask questions about sex work and you're getting your answers from sex workers themselves. We're a sex worker led team who also are, you know, actively working and very positive about our work, but also come from a diverse range of different areas of expertise and different lives. So you really get a kind of, yeah, multifaceted idea of what sex work can be and what it is to us. And we very much believe in the fact that sex work takes place wherever you are in the world. So it doesn't matter whether you're here or if you're in Iran or if you're in South Africa, it's still going to happen. The only thing that's different is the laws and the stigma that surround it. So We believe that everyone has the right to engage in sex work, but we also believe that everyone has the right to engage in sex work safely. So 
We believe that through information provision and by challenging stigma, we can change not only people's perspectives, but also the laws and the systematic things which are in place that prevent sex work from being seen as work. How did you get involved with them? So I started doing sex work when I was 20, 25. And I did that basically because the pandemic came about and I didn't want to go back to working in care during um, COVID-19. One, because of my own health issues, but two, because I knew that it was not going to be a pleasant environment to work in. So as a student, I had to find other income and a lot of income very quickly. And sex work provided the flexibility and the income that I needed to still do my studies. So I started doing that and found that I was very good at it and that I enjoyed it. So I did that and paid off most of the debt I had and also my student debt for my undergrad. So I then started doing my master's um, and I became very interested in feminist thought and what feminism thinks of sex work and how that is preventing a lot of laws from changing across the world because it's seen as oh well if you think that sex work is okay then you're an anti-feminist because a lot of feminist thought believes that you know prostitution or sex work is the cornerstone of female exploitation I very much take the idea that um that's not the case so that's what I explored during my master's I also was very interested in the power relationships and Um, who was seen as having agency and who was seen as a victim in sex working situations and for my master's thesis I decided that I was going to do a working placement at the prostitution information centre so I started working there doing their archives for them getting to know the local community and then the opportunity came up to be to apply for the coordinator position and I went for it and got it so now I've been working in Amsterdam for just under a year. Could you please share with us the basic information around sex work in the Netherlands for those who are not very well educated about it? I know it's legal but can anyone work in this field that wishes to do so? Um, No so even though it's legal I think a lot of people who are looking from the outside into the Netherlands think, oh, well, then anything goes. But that's really not the case. So what we mean by legalised is highly regulated, which means that who can engage in sex work is highly regulated, what age you can engage in sex work, where you can engage in sex work, what type of sex work you can do is all very dependent on the local municipality. So while... Across the Netherlands, sex work is legal for anyone who is above the age of 18. Actually, from municipality to municipality, they are able to choose their own local laws of who is allowed to engage in sex work, how many sex working businesses you can have in an area, and what hours that can take place, where it can take place. So it's a lot more highly regulated than people think and while we agree that that's better than criminalization it still puts a lot of pressure on sex workers to work under certain constraints and it often then leads to there being a definition between 
those who are working legally and those who are working quote-unquote illegally or unlicensed and licensed or choosing to work here and being forced to which those boundaries are not clear and not defined that exactly is my next question so who decides what sex work is i assume it's not defined in the law that being at home working in front of a webcam is defined as sex work or am i wrong here at the moment it's 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 kind of a very vague definition that the netherlands has for sex work so it's up until recently um sex work was defined as you know full body service or providing um you know contact contact relief you know so you had to actually physically be there in person to be a sex worker or you had to be actually physically touching someone's genitalia or to be considered a sex worker now we know that that's not the case anymore that a sex worker can you know depending on how they define themselves can be a stripper can be a burlesque dancer can be anyone who's providing erotic services and like you rightly said people who are working on cam so at the moment sex work is kind of going through um a kind of redefinition in the netherlands so it's the very loose definition at the moment are adults who receive money or goods in exchange for consensual sexual services or erotic performances either regularly or occasionally now that definition is as broad and as vague as you can imagine so yes me working at home um working for my camera could be considered by the law as being a sex worker but i doubt that the police are going to be raiding burlesque performances um and suggesting that that is sex work even though under this definition it is so i think the um the dutch government have kept the definition as broad as possible and it can mean that even if you yourself don't think that you're engaging in sex work the municipality or the government might think you are so if you're taking you know sexy foot shots and then sending them to someone the municipality could technically see you as a sex worker and that means i would not be allowed to do that in the safety of my own home or would that be like on the lower scale that i might actually be able to fly under the radar because the the government does not care enough if i do it in my own apartment if it's just like nude photos for example i think it depends where you are so for example in tilburg you are allowed to work from your own home so there would be no issue with that um in amsterdam they've really cracked down on home workers both who are engaging in um physical full service work and also those who are engaging in online services so technically in amsterdam you are not allowed to engage in online cam recordings or only fans from your own home you should be technically doing that from another office however 90% of sex workers who are working online are not doing that because who can afford to rent an office in Amsterdam while i don't think that there are massive crackdowns going on at the moment there it does put you in danger as a sex worker because if your landlord finds out they have a legal obligation to either let someone now know or ask you to leave the property so what you'll find in a lot of landlord agreements in Amsterdam now is where it says underneath you know please don't grow 
um, industrial amounts of cannabis here, it will also say you're not allowed to engage in sex work from your property. Now, depending on what your landlord considers sex work, he could kick you out on those charges. We also know that the police have been tracking websites and have been doing kind of online surveillance of websites and IP codes to see if sex workers are working from their own home. And there have been incidences of police raiding sex workers' houses who are engaging in online sex work. So there's always that fear that while you're less likely to get into trouble as someone who is actively engaging and having clients back at their home, you are still at risk. And because there's not really clear or defined rules around that, it does make it difficult. And I could imagine it also makes it difficult for the actual person that wants to work in the industry because you are still the safest or the most comfortable in your own home, I assume. So if you can't do that, like all the restrictions probably also make it more likely that they may be engaged with a third party who might have bad intentions. Or am I seeing that wrong? No, I don't, I, I don't think you are wrong there. I think everyone... Um, for a lot of people working at home isn't the ideal situation purely because you're um, then inviting clients back to your own home and it becomes very easy to stalk or dox you or blackmail you um, but a lot of people do feel safer working in that environment and if you were allowed to work in that environment and you also had the reassurance that if anything went wrong the police could help you or that you have power over the client like sex workers do in the windows where the law tends to be always on their side then that gives the client a lot less power over you or you know people who are posing as clients so people who have no intention of having sex with you but have the intention of robbing or raping you so it does make it more difficult it also means that because you're having to work more clandestinely you might also need to engage with a third party who can either help you get clients or arrange hotel rooms for you because in most places in the Netherlands you're not allowed to book a hotel room as a sex worker it has to be done by your client um, which also puts you in a lot more danger because then you don't have an idea of what it is that's being booked and it just means that overall if you're not able to work in the way that you want to in the way that you know you're safest in the way you feel more comfortable then it just makes it more dangerous overall because you're not comfortable, you're not able to listen to your intuition. If you're constantly working at a level where you have high anxiety, then how do you know the difference between just being anxious and actually, you know, your sense that something is not right, if that makes sense? Um, so yeah, it does make it more difficult and that's why at the Prostitution Information Centre we're really fighting for decriminalization because we think that if you put agency into sex workers hands and you give them the choice of where they work how they work who they work with then they tend to be a lot safer and have better well-being and better income than they do under legalization or criminalization so you mentioned a lot of rules and restrictions and i'm kind of trying to see through this very very complex system 
and I do speak Dutch and I think I do speak okay English but then I'm also thinking for people who maybe don't it is almost impossible to see through that and that really opens the doors for third parties that wish to or that are planning to exploit people yes I think it does I think I think it's also I think it's important to remember first that a lot of people who are coming into this country to engage in sex work um, or have moved from countries outside the EU often know that they're going to be engaging in sex work, um, even if they don't know the language or um, have come here kind of under, you know, kind of rushed circumstances. They usually know that they're going to be engaging in some sort of sex work. The problem then becomes when they get here because very few things are written in Spanish or in languages of the African continent or um, a lot of Eastern European languages is that you then have to possibly rely on another person to interpret those languages for you or to tell you what the rules are or to figure out what the system is. And because the system is not clear, or because it changes from municipality to municipality, and even those rules within the municipality are very rarely static, you are constantly having to change to moving goalposts. So you might just start getting used to a law and then it changes again. And because that information hasn't been given to you in your native language or in a language you're comfortable speaking, you may have to rely on someone else to give that to you. Um, it's not to say that those people don't have just as much agency as, you know, Dutch sex workers, but when you have situations like this where the state is assuming that you're a victim or a criminal and the languages around you don't allow you to make kind of a full choice decision in what you're doing and then you're having to rely possibly on a third party who also may be not have the best intentions at heart these can lead to situations of exploitation and of people taking advantage of sex workers in that situation so to make sure i understand what you just said there are let's call them agencies that bring people here to have them work in sex work but it's not necessarily human trafficking human trafficking because they are informed what the conditions are and it's like a a business deal or like a contract where everyone knows what the deal is yeah so there's not um agencies in terms of like any which are actually based in legitimate in the netherlands the situation is is that there are there is a difference between people smuggling and trafficking so trafficking in my distinction is very much done without the person's knowledge of where they're going or what they're doing or that they are lied to um, in order to, you know, we often hear the story of people coming over here uh, with the intention of working in domestic jobs or in babysitting, and then they end up in the sex industry. Um, people smuggling is different. It's where someone has intentionally chosen to come into the country, either illegally or clandestinely, and is aware of the type of work that they have to do. They are aware that they are paying a lot of money to get over here. Um, and while that amount of money may seem unfair or unjust to us, that person has still chosen to pay it and to work in this industry. And 
they have come over here with that knowledge. So while to your, you and I that might seem like an exploitative situation, to the person who has chosen to do that, they see it as a fair deal. And they see it fair that, okay, so for the next couple of years, I'm going to pay X amount of money and then I can take this person off and then everything else I get to keep myself. For you and I, who have grown up in Western countries where we have a certain idea of what freedom and workplace kind of um, labour laws look like and stuff like that might see that as an exploitative situation. But for someone who is coming from a country where maybe the working options, the pay, the levels of harassment and likelihood of losing their job are a lot worse, this is a fair deal. And I think we need to remember that when we talk about trafficking or human exploitation that the vast majority of people are not being hit over the back of the head and dragged into vans and then waking up in hotel rooms tied up somewhere. That is not the reality of trafficking and people smuggling. And what we also tend to forget is that there are other industries in the Netherlands, such as agriculture, um, customer service, um, the hospitality industry, where there are much higher numbers of people who are quote-unquote trafficked or smuggled into it and also greater human rights abuses that are taking place however we tend to focus on the sex industry because we see it almost as somehow being more likely to have people who are trafficked into it but I think that's because that's our own perception that we reflect out onto people of what type of work we'd like to do and because a lot of people can't imagine themselves engaging in sex work they see people who are doing that as not doing it of their own free will. And I also think with that idea of human trafficking or exploitation, it is always this perception that it's people, mostly women, being brought from another country, from outside of, of Europe, but it does not necessarily have to be that way. We had an episode on this podcast about a woman who was forced into sex work in the Netherlands from her partner her lover boy that's you know, what she called him so it does not have to be that that certain picture that we necessarily have of, of human trafficking no I agree with you completely I think that the there is too much of a focus on those who are coming into the country or especially on men who are coming into the country um You know, we often hear terms in the Netherlands like those Moroccan boys or, um, you know, those Cambodian and Nigerian men. And they are often um, wrongly targeted and stigmatized as lover boys. However, there are just as many Dutch men in the Netherlands who are just as capable of being lover boys. And from the discussion you and I had about lover boys, we know that what is defined as a lover boy needs to be looked into more. The Netherlands are internationally known for a very liberal approach when it comes to sex work. And of course, they also like to present themselves this way internationally. They're feeding of this, this image that people have. Do you personally agree with this image? I do and I don't. I think that to legalize sex work, 
in the context of all the countries in the world does make you more liberal than a lot of places. However, I think that, like you said, there is almost like a liberal smugness in a way of kind of, oh, look what we've done. We now don't need to make anything better for sex workers. So I think that they, they could be more liberal. I but definitely, I think that decriminalization is the most liberal that you can be and give sex workers the most agency. And I also think that the laws and restrictions that we are currently under do not suggest a liberal workplace for sex workers. And just by the fact that, you know, sex work is managed under the Department of um, Justice in the Netherlands suggests it's not the same as any, it's still not seen as the same as any other career because it's not looked at in the same way it's not regulated in the same way as other work and sex workers while we pay taxes and while we contribute to society are not seen as that we're either seen as criminals or we're seen as victims that need saving from our work so I don't think it's that liberal of an idea I think we've been treated almost in a kind of harm reduction style of way when the question is why because there's lots of sex workers who work happily in their career and you know if they do have mental health issues or they do have health issues they're not related to their sex work but it's always treated as if sex work is the be all and the end all of women um in particular i think that the netherlands would be more liberal by engaging with sex workers a lot more about the laws that they put in place and also by listening to us but what we're actually finding in the Netherlands is a decline in liberalism and more of a focus on Christianity and the family work ethic and kind of this kind of re-emergence of Protestantism and also a re-emergence of the far right as well so I think that maybe when the laws first came out in 2000 yes they were quite liberal for the time um it's outdated now and we're also getting to a point where people are talking about criminalizing sex work again or criminalizing clients and adopting a Nordic model so no I I don't think it's that liberal. For those who don't know could you quickly sum up what the Nordic model is and from your perspective is it working or isn't it? Okay so the Nordic model has been adopted by a few countries such as Norway and Sweden and what it aims to do is criminalize the client but still allow sex work to be legal so you won't be criminalized as a sex worker but you will be criminalized if you're a client who is caught um, with a sex worker or trying to purchase sexual services. Now this is it's has been seen by these countries as a harm reduction model and that by ending the demand you are sex work will eventually become obsolete but what we know from any type of criminalization or any trying to punish someone for taking drugs or engaging in sex you are never going to make it disappear and this is what we find happening in these countries and what actually happens in turn is that instead of making sex workers safer you're actually putting them in more danger because you're 
reducing their favorable clientele so the clients that they had who tend to be good members of society and nice people because I think people forget there are nice clients out there they're not you know the the majority of clients are not bad people um these clients now no longer want to engage in sex work because you know there's the possibility they could be arrested they could lose their job um so the clients that you're left with are clients that don't care whether they're arrested or not which a lot of them tend not to be very nice people or maybe people who aren't scared of criminal retribution it also means that because your clients are fearful of being caught you as a sex worker don't do a lot of your vetting checks so making sure there's no one in the back of the car or having a conversation with the client first to see what kind of mood are they in are they too drunk are they on drugs you're not doing those checks because you're scared that your client's gonna disappear because they're scared that the police are involved what it also means is that if you are a landlord or you are anyone from a third party who is known to be engaging in a sex worker you can also end up in trouble so what that's defined as is very loose so for example say I'm a sex worker in Norway and I have a boyfriend and he knows I engage in sex work he can be prosecuted as my pimp even though he may have nothing to do with my sex work if my landlord knows that I'm engaging in sex work and he refuses to tell the police or to kick me out of his property he can then be done for um, being a pimp or exploiting me so what we see happening now is a lot of sex workers are actually being kicked out of their homes because landlords admittedly you know I understand it don't want to be accused of being pimps Um, there's a huge stigma to that so what we're actually finding is sex workers who have less money sex workers who are working in more dangerous situations and sex workers who are now homeless so these laws which are meant to be there for the good of sex workers actually aren't helping sex workers at all and these are the kind of models and the laws that we see the Netherlands trying to adopt. I remember a couple of years ago I had a discussion with a Swedish friend of mine and I think it was about dancing naked i think that's also illegal in sweden i might be mistaken but back then the discussion was around that and he was the one who said but it's good that it's banned because no woman should have to present herself in that way and i think it's just this savior idea that they have that people apparently can't imagine that maybe a person actually wants to do that kind of work yeah I think it's possibly the most anti-feminist thing you can say as well is telling a woman what she should and shouldn't want to do with her body. You know, it's like people who turn around in discussions and say, oh, well, women shouldn't want to engage in BDSM because it's inherently um, exploitative and it's hurtful to women. Who are you to say that about what I enjoy doing? And what I want to do during sex. Um, it's the same as people who say, oh, well, you shouldn't want to shave your pubic hair because it's inherently unfeminist to do that. But if I feel better and I feel more like myself and I feel more feminine and more confident, then who are you to tell me what to do with my body? I'm always very cautious and very cynical of laws or feminists or ideas where I have to stop doing what I'm doing with my body because you find it uncomfortable. 
let's maybe take a step back when we talk about misconceptions in the Dutch society of sex work or maybe even the image of the Netherlands when it comes to sex work. Because in the end, the Netherlands make a lot of money off that image. Yeah. Not per se with sex work, but also with the entire red light district with all the accommodation there with all these trashy shops where you can buy like genital shaped lollipops so it just feels like they are like cherry picking they're happy to take all the money with of this industry but at the same time they don't want to get involved with the stigma and they don't want to really face the dark sides of it would you agree with that i think definitely i think the The Netherlands is very happy to um, profit off of this image of liberal, you know, liberalism and of being a place where everyone's a bit laid back and, you know, do what you want as long as you don't harm others, which my experience as a British person coming into the Netherlands is definitely not the case for the majority of people. I think the, the Dutch love to tell people what to do. Um But we also see this within the red light district now. So even though the municipality and, you know, a lot of local residents are trying to get rid of the red light district, they're still very happy to profit off of this image. So you see people buying window brothels out so that sex workers can't work there. But then they're very happy to have art displays in there, which kind of, you know, emphasize the red light district. So, you know... Um, kind of mannequins dressed up as, you know, in sex worker style clothing. So it's it's interesting that you're not willing to have a sex worker working there, an actual person who could benefit off of, um, you know, working in that area in that underwear. But you're very happy to have a mannequin that suggests all that. Or, you know, you see it on a lot of tourist posters and campaigns of... Um, people saying like in the heart of the red light district in the heart of um you know devalen's windows so there they definitely do benefit off of that and they definitely profit off of that without wanting to recognize that it is sex workers that have allowed that image to thrive and for the municipality to benefit off of that yeah and <laughs> I don't know. I mean, we see this in the discussion currently with the erotic center. Now the Gemeente Amsterdam is trying to find a location for that. And there actually have been petitions, if I'm not mistaken, that people don't want it in their neighborhood. So they're okay with sex work as long as it's not happening in their front yard. But it has to be somewhere. So, yeah. Yeah, it's a really difficult thing because obviously we think that the red light district should stay where it is um one because I, I i do kind of understand these uh not in my backyard groups of you know they've they've moved they've deliberately lived somewhere outside of the city um because they don't want the same you know hustle and bustle that you get in the city um then to be told after you've moved somewhere well actually we're going to move this hustle and bustle to your area i can understand people being upset about that What I'm more angry with is people who have deliberately moved to the red light district, um, knowing what sort of area it is, and are now angry and trying to get rid of the red light district. It's like you knew what you were moving into. If I was to buy a house just outside of Tower Bridge in London, 
and then complain of the tourists, people would think I'm an absolute idiot. So those people annoy me more. However, what I don't agree with is a lot of these NIMBY groups, so these not in my backyard groups, are claiming that sex workers bring uh, criminal activity to the area, they bring drugs to the area, they are harmful to children's and the to children and the idea of family values. I don't agree with that. I don't think that sex work in Amsterdam is the cause of drug use in the area. That's something that has kind of predated that and those is separate. Um, I don't think sex workers bring crime to an area. I actually think they reduce it because if you've ever been around the windows, then there's more surveillance in those areas than anywhere else in the Netherlands, not only by the cameras, but by the sex workers themselves. Um, and free to suggest that sex workers are damaging to the ideals of family um, ignores the fact that a lot of these sex workers have children and to suggest that they're a danger to children is is really upsetting and, and really disrespectful um, so it's difficult that they don't that they don't I, I understand you know wanting to move to a quiet area and then when that becomes busy you know being upset what I don't understand is this kind of fear of sex workers in a way or this kind of, you know, the connotations that both the municipality and these NIMBY groups draw that sex workers are the reason that people behave badly because that's definitely not the case and it reminds me very much as a feminist as you know say you're a girl in school and you're wearing a brightly colored bra and then you get removed from the class because you are a distraction to the boys it's not your fault that you're distracting the boys you know because because of your womanhood because of your sexuality or potential sexuality and because you're wearing underwear that people can see then you know most feminists I feel these days would turn around and say well no it's not the woman who should be it's not the young girl who should be blamed for that or should be moved yet we're very happy to do that to sex workers today maybe from a personal perspective I was when I was preparing this interview I was thinking if it was okay to ask you what kind of sex work you do but then at the same time I was thinking if I was interviewing a fellow journalist I wouldn't have any hesitation to ask them about details in their job yeah so why is that yeah I think I think what we see is that because obviously we have self-stigma as well as sex workers you know we're constantly dealing with our own stigma against the job that we do as well um and there's certain parts of our job we don't mind telling to people and some people are very open about what they do um, and other people, you know, it's the same as, other, you know, it's the same as when your partner comes home. Um, sometimes your partner really wants to talk about kind of like the intimate details of their job, what went on, what's going on with who and who, um, you know, what's the latest office, office gossip. And then you get people who say, you know what, I finished work. I really don't want to talk about it. And sex workers are just the same. Um, the thing is, is that there tends to be, especially from journalists, and interviewers are hyper focused on the intimate parts of what we do and kind of sensationalizing it so yes while it, it, I mean for me personally I really don't care what people want to know about my job 
Um, and as you can tell, I'll talk your ear off if I get the chance. Um, however, there's other sex workers who have been asked those questions so many times and there's kind of been a hyper focus on what it is they're actually doing in their like day to day interactions with people and tr people trying to get kind of sordid stories from them. Um, which is upsetting when you've gone into an interview where you're trying to talk about sex workers rights and changes in the WRS. So I think it's about time and place in a way. Um, and I don't think there's any issue in asking people about what they do as long as they're happy to talk about it. Um, I think just give people the same consideration that you would give anyone else, you know, you invite a woman prime minister on to talk about a job and then you start talking about the intimacies of her childbirth then it's a bit weird um and I think it's the same for sex work and when we do interviews if you've invited us on to talk about I, I have a very good example the other day you know um because a, a lot of what the work people do in the PIC is voluntary so we had someone who came in and said they wanted to do an interview about volunteering um so I said, okay, that's great. If you could send us a question sheet so we can prepare ourselves. Uh, we'd be really happy to do it because I thought it was kind of out of the way. And then the questions we got through were, if you're a sex worker, what kind of sex work do you do? How many clients do you see a day? What is the average payment that clients give you? And it's like, well, that has nothing to do about volunteering. And that's not what you told us you're going to be talking to us about. So you know, I got back to them and said, you know, this is not what you told us you wanted to talk to us about. And we don't feel very comfortable you saying that and then coming and asking us these questions. I mean, they ended up cancelling the interview in the end. Um, but yeah, if someone comes along and says they want to ask you about one thing and then starts asking you about another, it's the same with us too. You know, it, it kind of knocks us off our feet and we, we, we're not prepared for it. What kind of reactions do you get in like private settings at a party, on a date, when you tell people that you are a sex worker? Cool. It's been a long time since I've done that outside of a work setting, if I'm honest. Um, when I go on dates and stuff like that, or I meet new partners, it can really vary from people who are fully accepting. Um, and very positive about what I do um you know there's a lot of guys and a lot of girls who kind of think cool my girlfriend's a sex worker um to the opposite where it's kind of like people are cool with it at first but then they kind of get a little bit funny about it down the line and then those relationships don't work out um to then people just being flat out like I'm not okay with that and at least then I know You know, I much prefer those people where it's just like, okay, you don't want to date a sex worker? Good, I can stop wasting my time. Um, in private settings, it can be really difficult. So I've recently told my parents, well, told my mum and my stepdad uh, what I do and how I pay for uni, um, which just shows that I, I, I don't know how they thought I afforded it all these years, but it, their minds were just so not focused on that. Um, and I think they were very kind of worried as, at first about exploitation and, you know, am I doing it because I want to? And I had to remind them that, you know, I'm a master's student who has always done what they've wanted to do even before this. So what makes you think I'm doing this any differently? Um, 
and then when it comes to professional settings you know the work work that I do outside of sex work I do student tutoring and I also do consultancy work I tend not to mention it because I don't if there's ever a point in my life where I want to leave sex work and go into another career then I don't want it to affect that and unfortunately it does we have talked about a lot of things not as much in depth as I would have liked it but that would probably take a couple of hours and we still <laughs> wouldn't have mentioned all the things that we need to mention but maybe to sum it up and make it a bit more digestible for our audience what are the three things that you would like people to understand about the sex industry in general or in the Netherlands specifically? Oh, I First and foremost I want people to understand that sex work is work um, and like with any work not all of us jump out of bed every morning and go fuck yeah I get to go to work today sometimes we wake up and we think oh shit I really don't want to go in today but we don't tell that person who feels that working at Starbucks that they should quit their job and I don't expect people to do the same as sex work um, sex workers work and sometimes work sucks so I think remember that first and foremost when you're trying to understand whether or not sex work is exploitative or not number two is that someone you love is most likely a sex worker so always be respectful of sex workers and try and understand it from the perspective of what would you do if your mum was a sex worker what would you do if your brother was a sex worker um or your auntie or uncle or your friend is a sex worker because the likelihood is most is that one of them are um And thirdly, what I would like people to take away is that you cannot criminalize or regularize sex work out of existence. It just won't happen. So if you want to better the working conditions of sex workers or the rights of sex workers, decrim is the only way to do that. And If you really have an issue with sex work and it's something that you want to stop don't look at stopping sex work look at stopping poverty look at stopping austerity look at stopping the major factors that lead people into sex work in the first place and you will find that there is a massive reduction in people who engage in it we know that there is a positive correlation between austerity measures in the UK, for example, and single mothers getting involved in sex work. So you're not helping that single mother by banning or trying to regulate her only way of making income. You can help her by providing her with child support. You can help her by providing her with money or career options that support her better than sex work can. So yeah, those are the three things that I'd like people to take away from this. How can people support you, the Prostitution Information Center, and your work? So you can support us in a myriad of ways. You can go on our social media. So we're on Instagram and we're also on Facebook and Twitter. Um, you can share what we post. Um, and if you want to donate to us, then if you go through our website, you can donate to us by direct bank transfer, PayPal or Tiki.
Violet. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. And that's it for today's episode. Thank you very much for tuning in and for supporting this podcast. If you want to support Amsterdamus even more, there are several options to do so. You can check out the Amsterdamus Facebook page and leave a review. Depending on which podcast app you are using to listen to this podcast, you can also rate Amsterdamus there with a five-star review. In Apple Podcasts, for example, it is possible. Of course, you can also follow Amsterdamus on Instagram. In case you would like to give me some feedback or you know a person that needs to be interviewed for this podcast, you can send me an email. The email address is amsterdamuspodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again and have a great day.